Well, last week we began this little mini-series called Over Under, talking about authority. And here's the challenging truth that we began with last week, that God works through authority. God works through authority. He always has. He always will. And if that's true, which I certainly believe it is, then your response and my response to earthly authority is an indicator of our response to God's ultimate authority. That if God is going to work through authority, then our response to authority is an indicator of how much trust and how much faith and how much belief and how big I really believe God is. That can God work through the authority that I disagree with, that I dislike, that I don't want to give respect, that I didn't vote for? Can I trust that God can still work through their authority? That's an indicator of my response to God's ultimate authority. And last week, we specifically actually looked at the truth of when we're in authority, that your response when you have earthly authority is also an indicator of your response to God's ultimate authority, that when you have authority, when you're in charge, when people look to you for answers and expertise, when you're the boss, when you're the department head, when people report to you, you use your authority for the benefit of those under your authority. Because what we believe about authority is that when when anyone has authority, it has been given to them by God. It is a stewardship, meaning God has something he wants them to accomplish and will be held accountable by God for what we did with the authority and the power and the influence that he has entrusted in into our hands. So we want to learn how to carry authority well. And when we walk into a room, we recognize that if if you walk into a room and you recognize and you realize that you're the most powerful person in the room, what you do in that situation is you use whatever influence and power and authority you have to benefit those under your authority. You stay wholly submitted and surrendered to God because a leader devoted to obediently following Jesus is always best for everyone following their lead and you stay fully committed to serving those you lead. That's what you do when you recognize that you have authority and that authority came from God for a purpose. Now, that's the part that we like thinking about, right? Like we like the idea of being in authority and having influence and having power. And we're even okay with being reminded that when we have authority and power, that we need to use it, use that power and authority to serve because at the end of the day, that scenario still ends with us having authority and having power and having influence. But today, I want to talk about the side of authority that we'd probably rather not think about or talk about, but is just as important for us to get right and to handle right and to carry well. What do you do when you realize you are not the most powerful person in the room? Again, it's it's nice for us to think that someday we'll be the most powerful person in the room. And there's certain rooms maybe we walk into or homes we walk into, like, hey, I'm the person with the most influence, the most authority, the most power here. But we also know that there are just as many seasons and just as many stretches and just as many relationships in life where you walk into the room and you are not the most influential. You are not the most powerful and you do not have the most authority in the room. That's not as fun to think about. What do you do when you're working your job and you answer to a boss? What do you do when you're a department head? So you're in charge of some people, but then you remember you still report to the person in charge of the company. What do you do when you own your own business or company and you've got your license in a lot of situations you're in charge, but every year or two, you have to submit yourself to a review board that has the authority to renew or revoke your license. What do you do when you're married and your spouse isn't your boss, but there's those pesky little Bible verses that tell you to submit yourselves to one another out of reverence to Christ? How do you respond when decisions are made above your pay grade, but affect your work and they're handed down to you? 
And here's the truth about, about those, those situations, that when, when you walk into a room or where you're in a relationship or whatever the, the, the thing is at, at your workplace, in your home, in your neighborhood, whatever it may be, what do you do when you walk into a room and you realize you are not the most powerful person in the room? And the reality is that you never age out of being under authority. I think, I think for a lot of us, we, we get in middle and high school and, and we think this way, I can't wait to grow up because when I grow up, I won't have to listen to anybody, Right? And, and, and we say that because honestly, we're kind of naive. We're kind of, we're, we're uninformed about the way that the world actually works. What we mean is I won't have to listen to my parents. But then we turn 18 and 19 and 20. We still want our parents to pay for some things, right? And we find ourselves going, oh, they actually still remain a, a person of authority. They remain a person of influence because at the very least, their money gets them some authority and some say in what happens in my life. And so you go through that and you, you think, oh, when I get to 18 or some other age, there is, that, that, that's the magical age, that's the magical number where I will no longer have to listen to anyone. There is no age out of, having to, of being under authority. We always, at some point in our life, in some relationship in our life, at some manner of our life, remain under authority no matter how old we may get. Whether you think it's 18 or some other age, there is no magical age where you reach that age and you no longer have to listen to anyone. And the second thing of that is simply this, there is, you never level up out of being under authority. We think, well, you know, someday I'm not going to be on the bottom rung of the corporate ladder and people will answer to me. Okay, well, let's play that out. As you go higher and higher in an, on an org chart, what you do is you find yourself answering to people with bigger and bigger responsibilities on their plates and with less and less patience for mistakes and issues by people who report to them. Does that sound like it's a more fun experience? It probably is not. You have actually more, you have more responsibility, but you answer, answer people with more responsibility. And you think, no, 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 okay, that's not gonna be my experience forever because again, as, you, as, as I grow up the corporate ladder, there will be a day where I'm going to run the thing. Okay, let's play that out. When you run the thing, chances are when you run the thing, you'll have a board of trustees or shareholders to answer to. You never level up out of being under authority. And even if you corporately, you run out of authority and you're at the top and you answer to no one, can I just tell you what I know? That's not necessarily a healthy situation. It's a good thing for us to have someone to answer to. It's a good thing for us to have authority that is not there to make us answer to, but is there to hold us accountable to the right things. It's good and healthy for us to have authority, which means we need to learn how to be under authority well, since we'll most likely be doing that on some level for the rest of our lives. So how should we respond when we're under authority? Well, the New Testament authors, people who had followed Jesus and learned about Jesus directly from those who had spent time with Jesus, actually had quite a bit to say about that. Across the spectrum, today we're going to look at something that Peter wrote and something that Paul wrote about how to respond under authority uh, when, when we find ourselves under authority. And by the way, these guys found themselves under authority of some people that were absolutely terrible to Christians. And I would say when you look at the historical record, were not great people to begin with. They were under the influence of an empire called Rome, which was all about 
peace, the peace of Rome. And the peace of Rome was really great for the people in charge of Rome. The peace of Rome meant Rome can go and do whatever it wants to make sure that the land is peaceful, that we can establish peaceful trade, but we'll squash anything that tries to stand in our way. There was no law. It was simply the law is whatever Rome wants at any given moment in time. Whatever the Roman governor, whatever the Roman empire wants at any given moment in time, that's Roman law. It was an incredibly difficult moment for Christians, for Jesus followers. I mean, this was a terrible time to to be under the influence of the Roman Empire during these early days. There was persecution. I mean, one of the Roman emperors literally lit his his nighttime garden parties by burning Christians. It was a terrible time to be under the influence and the authority of of governors and emperors in Rome. But here is what Paul wrote about about authority when it comes to Roman authority. In Romans chapter 13, verse 1, writing to Roman Christians, he said this, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one who in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. People are like, pa, 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 pa. Uh, he's trying to hunt us down. He's trying to light us on fire for his dinner party. Anytime something bad happens in Rome, he blames us. And Paul says, no, no, no. The one in authority is God's servant for your good. That's their purpose. They may be rebelling against their purpose, but this is why God put them there. He put them there for your good. So so this authority, they will have to one day answer to God for for why they failed to be for your good, but that's why they exist. But if you do wrong, be afraid for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary, necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. Here's what Paul says about authority, that God established your leaders. And you're like, no, no, no. They're the son of the last leader. Who is the son of the leader before him? Who is the son of the general who defeated the last, you know, the, the last one, the last one before them? They, they, they got to kind of like, I don't think God established, like Paul said, no, no, no. If they're in authority, God established their authority. And if you rebel against authorities, you rebel against God and bring judgment on yourself. It sounds harsh, doesn't it? He says authorities, they, they exist for your good. This is why they exist. This is, this is why God has someone in a position. Again, they'll answer to God for whether they did good, but they exist for our good. We only need to fear authority when we do what's wrong. That's an interesting take in it. That most of us, we have some natural fear of authority. Paul says the only reason you would ever have to fear authority is when, you do, when you're do, doing something that's wrong. And he says submission to authority is part of us having a clear conscience. That some of us, the reason we don't have a clear conscience may just be because we are in the wrong when it comes to the authority over us or the authority that we find ourselves living or working under. Interesting. You're like, okay, well, that's Paul. Paul, you know, Paul didn't spend 
any earthly time with Jesus. Paul didn't become a Jesus follower until after the resurrection and after, and he even rebelled against Jesus. So, so maybe we don't need to pay attention. Let's, let's listen to someone who actually spent time with Jesus. Okay, well, we have a letter called 1 Peter, which is written ironically by a guy named Peter. Peter was the guy who was maybe the very, very first follower of Jesus. Peter was the guy that when Jesus said, who do you say that I am? He said, I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, I tell you that you, that you have figured out the truth. And on this rock, I will build my church. So that's Peter. Peter walked on water. Peter was there when Jesus multiplied food for 5,000 people. He was there when he did it again. He was there as, as one of the people who stared into the, into the grave, uh, uh, the, the empty grave on the day that Jesus rose from the dead. Peter had spent time with Jesus. And so here's what Peter said about authority. He says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. Peter, his thing is like, look, I want you to live so well that people who accuse you of doing wrong have absolutely no moral ground to stand on. They have no legs for their argument. Their, their argument is completely in quicksand, which I think we all thought would be a bigger problem as adults based on the cartoons of our childhood. He says, I want that to be what their argument feels like, that they just keep sinking deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper because there is no basis for their argument because you live such good lives. And then he says, here's how you live such good lives. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. You're like, oh man, Peter, you're starting to sound like Paul. Peter would go, well, who do you think taught Paul this? For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Honor the emperor. So Peter, so again, we don't know what Paul said. Here's what Peter said. Live so good that pagans see how you live and recognize God in and through you. And here's how you do that. You submit to every human authority, to every human authority. Do what is good and right so that you can silence foolish people. That when people make an argument that you are doing something wrong, that Christianity has no, it has no basis and that Christianity does no good for the world around, that Christians are just as bad as everyone else, that Christians are a bunch of hypocrites, that they would see your goodness. They would see your honor for people that you disagree with. They would see your respect for people that, that are being disrespectable. They would see your, your respect and your honor for unhonorable authority. They would see that and you go, if they won't rebel against that, I'm just telling you, these people might just have a goodness that we don't even have. 
And so he says, as you do that, you live in freedom. You live knowing that God has set you free, that Jesus has set you free from the power of sin, but you don't use that freedom as an excuse to turn around and do what is wrong, to dishonor the emperor, to dishonor the empire, to dis- dishonor a governor, to dishonor your boss, to, dis- to not pay your taxes, to dishonor the, the, the authority that God has established in your life in one way or another. And you show respect and you honor those who are in authority. And Peter goes so far as to even say, you honor the dishonorable emperor. Here's the summary of what Peter and Paul had to say about authority. You submit to leadership. Number two, you do what is right. And number three, you honor them to bring honor to God. I mean, like, you're like, that, that's, that's the summary of authority? That's like, that sounds difficult in that I don't want to do it. But that actually seems pretty simple. Yes, number one is you submit to leadership. That's the part we don't want to do. Do what is right. We, we, we think, well, I'm already doing that because I do what I think is right. You do what is right. You do what is right. Not always what you feel, not necessarily what you think is right. You do what is right. And number three, you honor them to bring honor to God. You honor God by honoring God your authority. You, let me just break it down again. I'll, I'll, I'll go real slow just in case we, we're, we're struggling with this. You submit to leadership. You submit to leadership in your workplace, in our local government, in our state government, in our federal government. Again, I mean, like at points along the way of your life, there are going to be people that you didn't vote for that are going to be in authority. There are going to be people who hire you, but over the course of of a workplace relationship, you don't necessarily like them the way you liked them at the start. There are going to be bosses and middle management and, 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 and people that you work for and people that you report to that you may not have the best relationship with. And Peter and Paul both say, look, you submit to leadership. You submit to leadership that you like and you submit to leadership that you don't like. You submit to leadership that you voted for and leadership that you didn't vote for. You support. You submit to leadership that you agree with and you submit to leadership that you disagree with. You submit to leadership. And submitting to leadership follows into number two, which is you do what is right. Paul, Peter and Paul would both say, unless, it's a mor- unless you have a moral opposition because it goes against something that Jesus has told you to do, you follow you submit to leadership. You do what your leadership has told you. That's what is right, unless it goes against the teaching of Jesus. And number three is when you do that, the way that you bring honor to God is to honor others and to do what is right. And we do that in a couple ways. We do, we're going to do that with three things. You're like, I, 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 I think I just would rather maybe not hear the rest of the message because I think I don't really like the last, the last thing you said about submitting to leadership and doing what is right and honoring them to bring honor to God. If, I just want to tell you, if you didn't like that part, your chances are pretty good. You're not going to love the next three things either. But these are incredibly important for us to understand a godly approach to handling it well when we find ourselves under the authority of other people. We want to have the right attitude. We want to have right actions. And we want to have a trustworthy character. This is how we respond well to authority that is over us. We want to talk about right attitude. For some of us, I mentioned this last week, part of our issue with authority is the attitude or attitudes that we carry 
toward authority. And we pick up these attitudes in a lot of ways. Okay, this may not be you know, a, a, a personal thing that you were born with, but it developed in the home that you, that you grew up in, that your family, that your parents had an attitude toward authority that wasn't particularly healthy. And because that's what you were raised around, that's the attitude that you adopted. And you've carried that as a 25-year-old, and you carry that as a 35-year-old, and you carry that as a 50-year-old, and you still have the same attitude that your parents had, whether or not it was healthy or not. For some of you, you had a bad experience with authority at some point along the way, way, way of your life. There was a teacher, there was a coach, there was an, a boss that you had early that was just not, they, they, they existed for your good, but they were not good to you and they were not good for you, okay? And because of that bad experience is kind of tainted the way that you view authority for the rest of your life. Maybe, maybe there was actual abuse. And if you've been abused by, by an authority, if you've been abused by a leader, if you've been abused by someone who was entrusted to be for your good, it's possible that that abuse will make it difficult to trust and believe the best about anyone. It could just simply be culture. And I, I believe this, that I've said this about 2020 and the pandemic. 2020 and everything that crazy that happened throughout that, 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 that time period, it caused all of us to mistrust authority. It used up all of the goodwill, used up all of the trust. And so now every single one of us has this complete mistrust of all authority culturally. And so with that, with, with that understanding, I, I, I want to pay attention to something that's written in, in Hebrews. The author of Hebrews wrote this in Hebrews 13, verse 17. They said, no matter, I, I understand that this is the, the attitude that you, that you have and the attitude that you got from your family and the attitude that you have from some bad earlier experiences with, with leadership and with authority. And I understand that there's, so some of you, you, you have actually been hurt by people that were entrusted. And I understand culturally, none of us want to trust Rome and none of us want to trust the authorities. And none of us want to trust our bosses. Like, like I understand that. But he said, they said this in Hebrews 13, 17, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authorities. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. This is when you, when you honor and when you respect, we have confidence in your leaders and, and, and you submit to their authorities, you actually, instead of making sure that they make your work a joy, you make their work a joy, which is a benefit to you. In other words, the right attitude helps us to make sure that we honor, we honor, the, our, honor our authority by carrying the right attitude into our relationships with authority. So here, let me just talk about some wrong attitudes and right, right attitudes. The wrong attitude, well, they hate me and they're out to get me. Here's the, like, that might exist. But, some, but a lot of times that's simply in our head. The right attitude, they like me and God has placed them here for my good. They're not out to get me. They're here for my good. They don't hate me. They like me. I'm going to tell you this. When you get a call into your boss's office, the thought that goes into your head, whatever happens immediately when you get called into the office, that reveals something about your attitude toward authority, whether or not you're carrying a harmful attitude or a healthy attitude. The, the harmful is they hate me. They're out to get me. This is going to go terrible. Healthy is they like me. So this is probably going to go pretty well. Even if there's a problem, this is probably going to go pretty well because they are here for my good. Here's another unhealthy one. They have no idea what they're doing or what they're talking about. Here's a healthier, a healthy version. I am confident. I want to have confidence in my leadership. I am confident they are wise and willing to listen when they, when, when they 
when they're, when they're wrong. I am confident that they are wise and they're willing to listen when they're wrong, okay? Unhealthy, they have no idea what they're talking, like this has nothing, like they're making decisions they have no idea about. No, 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 healthy is, I, I have confidence that they're wise. And I also have confidence that, that when they don't know what they're talking about, they're willing to listen to people who do know what they're, what, what, what they're talking about. Health, un, unhealthy is I believe the worst about them. They, are, they, they don't know what they're doing. They, they, the best, best years are behind them. I, 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 the, I believe the worst about them. The right is I choose to believe the best about them. Even when, I, even when evidence would say that I have reason to not believe the best about them, I choose to believe the best. I believe that their motives are right. I believe that their heart is good. I believe that they want the company to succeed. It, uh, the decisions that they're making, they don't necessarily look like that, but I, I'm gonna choose to believe that if I honor them, if I do what they're asking me to do, that somehow this is gonna work out because they have the right heart, they have the right motivations, and they have a mindset that wants us to succeed. Unhealthy is when we disagree, I assume they're wrong. Healthy is when we disagree, I assume there's something that I'm not seeing because I don't have their perspective. They're like, whoa, whoa. I would rather think they're wrong when, when, when we disagree, I, I, like, I want to believe they're wrong because that makes me right. Instead, when we disagree, I want to honor my authority with the right attitude that says, it's not necessarily that I'm wrong, it's simply that I can't see something that they can see because I don't have their perspective. That, that, that I want to say, I, I trust my authority, I have confidence in my authority, I, I believe that they are here for my good, and I want to make their work a joy. So when we disagree, Instead of assuming they're wrong, I want to assume that they're right and that there's something that I fail to see. And here's what's amazing about this. It's crazy how often the right attitude will turn a bad leader into a great leader, which means sometimes the difference between a what we perceive as a bad leader and a great leader is simply our attitude. So let's carry the right attitude, the right action, meaning I do as directed to the best of my ability with the best of my effort. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 17 and 23, Paul wrote this, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And then whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not human masters. Like, but, I, but, I, but I am working for human masters. I'm making coffee for, for, for a corporation that I'm, and, I'm, and I'm doing accounting business for, for people that pay me money to do accounting. So, so I'm working for human masters. And sometimes they just tell me to do something that is just like, I don't want to do this. And I certainly don't want to have a good attitude. And they made it difficult. And, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm working at the hospital and my, the, the shift manager for, for everything that I do, they're a problem and they made it difficult. And they didn't get me everything that I needed to do this job, to do this, this part of my my job on time. So they're, they're being difficult. And I don't want to do this. It says, you do for them what, how, at what you would do for your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if you're working for the Lord, not for human masters. And if you're working for the Lord, you do as you're directed for the best of your, with the best of your ability, with the best of your effort. I bring my best because I'm not just serving the authority directly over me. I am serving the God who's the authority over all authority. And I want my work and my service and my attitude to reflect and honor him, 
And so I'm not just working for the boss that I disagree with, and I'm not just working for the client who made my life difficult, and I'm not just working for the people who, you, who, have a, who are nameless and faces in the corporation. I am working for my Savior in heaven, for the God who loves me, and when I honor these people in front of me, I bring honor to the God above everyone. But what about when I think they're wrong? It's amazing. Your best effort can make a wrong decision work out right. Isn't that amazing? You're like, sometimes what tanks the idea is that we don't bring our best energy because we think it's the wrong idea. Where if we bring our best regardless of what the idea is, it's amazing how the wrong idea, the wrong, the, the wrong plan can even turn out right because we bring our best to it. Now, one thing, and I mentioned that I would talk about this, this a little bit earlier. I do as I'm directed unless I have moral opposition. Now, I, I don't know how often this happens. As, as a pastor, this really doesn't, I don't think this happens in my, in my world a whole lot. As I do, I, I want to do as I'm instructed unless I have a moral opposition. I understand, and I know there are times in a workplace, there are times in a family, like where, where, because, where there is an authority who has abandoned and is, and is a, their, their rightful responsibility, and they are, are, are misusing their authority in your life. And they are telling you or requiring you to do something that you have a moral opposition to. They are abusing you. They are abusing their position of leadership to require you to do something that goes against everything that you believe in. What do you do when you have a moral opposition? What do you do when authority is telling you to do something that, 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 would, that would compromise your character and would compromise your safety. What do you do in those situations? When you, when you have a moral opposition, here's what you do. You appeal to the authority higher than your authority. If, if that's a middle manager, you go to higher management. If that's higher management, you go to the board. If that's, if that's the board is mistrust, like you go to someone beyond that, you go to the justice. Like, I, I, I don't know what this looks like in every situation, but you go to the authority that's higher than your authority. You're like, that's gonna get me in trouble. Listen, if you have a healthy leader that's willing to be held accountable, going to authority that's above them will not get you in trouble. It will honor them. And if, and if there's an unhealthy leader, you might need to find yourself a way out of that organization anyway. All right? You, you simply might need to do that. What do you do if there isn't a higher authority? You either remove yourself from the situation and deal with whatever that looks like, and you also, you appeal to your heavenly father to change their mind or to change the situation. You appeal to your heavenly father who is the ultimate authority to either change their mind or change the situation. We are bringing the right attitude, the right action, and finally, we wanna bring trustworthy character. And that's the, simply the question, are you a person who can be trusted? Are you a person who can be trusted? Are, can be you, you, you're trusted to work hard when no one is watching? Can you be trusted to work the same when the boss isn't in the building? Can you be trusted to keep the same family values when your parents are in, aren't in the house? Can you, can you be trusted to carry your responsibility well even when no one's looking? I'm, I'm gonna tell you this. If you can only be trusted when, when someone's looking, you can't actually be trusted. That's, that's the very definition of being trusted. Trustworthy means when no one's looking, when no one's watching, you can actually be trusted to handle well what has been entrusted to 
you. Can you be trusted with small tasks? Can you be trusted with small responsibilities? Can you be trusted with larger responsibilities? As, as my role in a pastor, there are, there are occasionally Sundays where I am not at church. And what, that looks, what this looks like for me in a lot of situations as I am in a position of authority and want to make sure that our church is in, in good hands when I, am not, when I am not present in the building, this looks like, can I trust them to carry the vision forward? Can I trust them to carry the vision forward that when I am no longer, that when I'm not in the building, this is a person who, who sets the everything, uh, who, who does everything with the, with the mindset that this is a place for people to take a first step and a next step in a relationship with Jesus, with, with people who are preaching. Can I trust them to carry the word of God in such a way that it makes it appealing to someone who may not know a whole lot about scripture, but they're taking a first step? And can I also trust them to challenge people to take a next step? This is what it looks like. Can I hand, trust that? Can I, can I hand something to them and know they will handle it and carry it well, and I'm so proud of, of, of those within our church who I believe do handle it so well. And when we bring in a guest, it's someone who handles it well and someone who carries that responsibility well. That's what it means. Do they have trustworthy character? Can they be trusted? This is what Jesus said about trustworthy character in Luke 16, 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Jesus said, if we, we want to be people who, if authority gives us a little thing, we treat it like it's a big thing. And we're trustworthy with whatever, that we, whatever we're given. And if we'll be trustworthy with what we're given, it honors God. If we're trustworthy with small things, it honors God. If we're trustworthy with small responsibilities, it honors God. If we're trustworthy with the next bigger thing, it honors God. If we're trustworthy in a, in, as we manage relationships with clients, it honors God. Small, big, does not matter. What honors is that we're trustworthy with it because that honors God. And here's the second thing that we need to understand. Trustworthy character is promotable character. That when you can be trusted, you can be promoted. You, you can handle and be given more responsibility. You can find yourself in, more likely to be in a position of authority when, pe when the people who trust you, or when the people in authority over you trust that you will handle your authority and your responsibility well. So do you have the right attitude? Do you, do you carry out the right actions? And do you have a trustworthy character? Because if you do, that means that you will handle it well when you are under authority. And as you handle well, when you, those times in your life, those seasons of life, those stretches in your life, and let's be honest, the, we, we all have times where maybe we are in authority and under authority in different situations of life at the exact same time. But when you find yourself under the authority of someone else, if you'll carry the right attitude and carry out the right actions and live with a trustworthy character, I'm just telling you, this is the way that you become a person who does not stay under authority for long. But when you are under authority, you still choose to use it as a time to honor God by honoring those that God has entrusted with leading you. And if you'll do that, as Peter and Paul both said, we bring our Savior, we bring our God into the spotlight. We shine a big spotlight on him with our goodness to the people around us and to the people that he has entrusted in authority over us. Let me pray for you.
Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love. And God, as, as much as this is not a fun idea to talk about, as much as I think we would rather just not hear about this, as much as I know we'd rather not spend 30 minutes talking about it, God, I pray that you would do in our hearts and lives something through this word. God, I believe that you included these verses in your word because you wanted to help us understand something about the nature of authority. And God, it's that when we are under authority, that we would honor you, bring honor to you by honoring the people that you've placed in authority over us. And God, I pray today that you'd help us to do that, not just when we agree with it, not just when we have voted for it, not just when we think they're doing what's right, but God, that we would follow authority because that's how we bring honor to you. And so God, help us to do that with the right attitude. Help us to do that with the right actions. Help us to carry a trustworthy character everywhere we go so that we can honor you by honoring the authority you've placed above us. And God, I pray that you would use this time in our lives. God, these moments in our lives, help us to know what to do with what we've just heard. Help us to actually have the courage to, the, and the backbone to stick with it when it's difficult. And God, more than anything, help us to honor you as we honor those in authority over us. God, we, we love you. We want to do what you would have us to do. So in this area of our lives where it's so difficult and we so maybe don't want to do what you would have us to do, help us to do it anyway because we love you and we want to bring honor to you. We love you and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.